the completely unnecessary podcast tuesday april 19th 2022 we're into the nba playoffs that's ian ferguson that's me hello um, pat country on the show today oh we'll be talking about lots of good stuff ian knows what's up he knows what's up uh, i returned to the flea market for the first time in several months we're talking about um the streets of rage film potentially we'll get ian's thoughts on that uh an impending lawsuit against wada games that's big, big news, as Ian would say, and a Patreon poll topic and some voicemails. Uh, Ian played pinball and and did some edible uh, cooking up this past weekend. You can, you can hear all about it on the exclusive Patreon See You Podcast segment every week. Nothing I don't matters. think I ever mentioned what place I finished in, though. I finished in seventh of eighth place. Spoilers. <laughs> seventh of eighth place. Go to patreon.com slash see you podcast for that. Uh, he did that. What did I do this weekend, Ian? I returned to the flea market. You shopped till you dropped. Yeah, if you can say that. Like, like, like the, the quickest flea market outing ever, if not for talking to my pal Luis, who sells there, and we reminisced and catched up. And was, I've known his kids since they were really little, 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 little babies uh, 10 years ago. Warm. So uh, Frank, of course, goes, hey, Pat, I want to hit the Swapper this weekend. When Frank says that, there's like a 40% chance he'll show up. I the Swapper? I, yeah, the Swapper. There's like a 40% chance that he'll actually show up. I know this going in. But I hadn't been in so long. Sure. I, I've been in sort of a rut, not going out that much the past several months almost, going out every once in a while. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to the swap meet. You know, I got some pat cash on me. Um, it's Easter. Easter is usually fun in the swap meet in the past. It's actually pretty full. Not this time. I tweeted a big long thread about it, my experience. I didn't film it before you say anything. There will be nothing to film. Nothing to film. Uh, so. I went there, Ian. There were some retro games there, but it seems like the acceleration of, of the uh, the upswing in prices since the pandemic obviously has hit the hit the flea market. But more so than it's not like gross. Like so, the one seller who's there a while who sells says sells not sells a bunch of crap. They have like trumpets and skateboards and stuff. And there's always a little short with me on things and communication. You know, like a box like fifteen twenty. And this is, again, it's on my Twitter thread. Pat the NES Punk on Twitter. The one guy's helper goes, I go, how much are these games? And these are like standard games. Like the best game out of them, Ian, I don't even know. Track and Field 2 mm. could have been on there. Like we're not talking first party like hitters here. Oh, they're 10 or 15 or 20 each. That's a, like I think Spy Hunter was one, one of the highlights in there. Um, and I'm like, okay, sure. Then there was a, 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 a bin of controllers and things of that nature. I think there was an NES in there. I saw a Dogbone NES controller. Caught my eye. I'm like, okay, Dogbone. I don't know what they go for nowadays. There's aftermarket ones, but they were usually expensive back in the day because they're they're coveted. I don't like them because the B and A are slanted the wrong way on them. Yeah, I don't That's like fine. them either. It's a great D pad though. Anyway, so I pick up. I pick it up. I didn't ask about it. I start digging through. The guy goes to me. Oh, you're messing that stuff up. We're still setting up. It's the same stuff on the bottom, is what he told me. The same stuff on the bottom. Meaning that, like, the top layer would have been exactly the same controllers. Of I just walked away. I I, sat, I looked at him. He walked. I, I was like, "No, I'm gonna be a good boy. I'm not gonna get into anything." I I the snarkiness was building up, and I just walked away. 
Just, just walk away. I would not have been able to resist myself. Just walk away. We will spare your lives. God, it's such a great movie, Road Warrior. Anyway, so I walk away. There was, um, there was another. Uh, Wario was not there. Wario was not there. There was a, a younger reseller there who has a good variety of stuff. They're the ones I think I, I said to. I point out they had bootleg uh, Super Nintendo games. Oh yeah, a couple yeah. years ago they had the Ninja Gaiden trilogy. That I was like, this is not a real game, right? Um, so these have a good variety of stuff. They had about 40 to 50 NES games there easily, um, maybe 60. And then they had like 10 Famicom games. So I'm like, oh, it caught my eye. I run over. There was one that looked like almost Bub and Bob from Bub Bobble. They weren't. There was some other dinosaur duo that I was like, I don't know what this is because it wasn't a title game. I don't know what it was. Um, but then I came across you know, one of my favorite NES games that's ridiculous, Scoon. NES Punk episode. Yeah. They had Scoon. On Famicom, which I believe I have. It's one of the ones with the little little LED in the top, little jewel LED on it. Was it Nuts and Milk? It might have been Nuts and Milk. Probably worth like $4. Yeah, because that's a, that's a common one, probably. Uh, there's not many Famicom games worth anything uh, overall. So I pick up Scoon because I'm curious. Because I'm not sure at the time I have it. I probably I only own about 15, 20 Famicom games. Uh, no, no. I brought a box to SoCal. I don't count that because I don't know what the hell those are. I have like 15 games I know about. The, the, Google, the Google 13 games, I have both of them. So I go, how much is Scoon? Expecting to say like five, ten bucks. It's scoot. Thirty dollars. Probably because I picked it out. They probably know all oh, this person thinks is, is worth money. That's where I'm at. They came and I gave me trust because I'm saying I, I'm interested in it. They probably think it's worth money. So I'm like, okay, I'm not buying a, a damn thing here. Then I go to another guy. Again, I tweeted this out. He had a he had some nineties computer games. Nineties computer games, and he had one NES game, he had TNC. For five bucks. He said, Oh, I had forty five Last week I was here, I had 45 NES games. They all went. I'm like, okay, sure. But, but TNC wasn't bought. I'm like, okay, that's weird. Someone bought all of them, but not TNC. TNC. That's weird. Um, You're lying wanted, to me. He wanted five bucks. For, you, get, you hear that a lot. People, for some reason, some vendors like, oh, yeah, I have a lot of that. And it's like, no, no, you don't. There was one guy for years who said, yeah, I'll bring that stuff out. You never did. Schoon, 1280 with $7 shipping from Japan. It's $10 game. $22 buy it now. $12 with yeah. $7 shipping. They're a gouge and pat because I was interested in it. We, $10 with five shipping. Yeah, they're a gouge and pat. They're a gouge and pat. They're, and I was being innocent because I love Schoon. No one loves Schoon besides me. Um, anyway, so uh, you've, you've, you've seen my Schoon video, of course. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have seen that one. Oh, you have? I'm sure I have. My, with, with, with my, my song at the end? Would have been a long time ago. That was like 2015 yeah. or 14. Um, so... So that was a bad experience. So this guy had a had a, like '90s PC CD games. He had a price list down below, and they were prices not just from eBay. They were like other sources. I didn't even know what they were, like Price Point or these other weird selling apps all over the place. So he was saying, "Oh, I want fifty percent of those prices," and like the games didn't have the boxes. A lot of them just had like the, the CD jewel case, no like extras or feelers. I'm just looking at him like this, this ain't happening. This is not good. My be favorite a thing. part about this is that he had he had hit a flight stick, probably from like '87. Remember the the thick one, the thick base one, and the top one. Uh, I, I if I showed you, you would have saw it. Probably. It was one of the more more deluxe ones for like the mid '80s. Okay. We'll just say. Um. He wrote in Sharpie on the side, vintage, vintage joystick, $10. He, so he printed out a whole price list, but for the one thing, he couldn't be bothered to even write it on his price list. He ruined it by writing it in fucking Sharpie on the side of it. I've never, off, but still, that's ridiculous. I've never seen that in my entire life, writing on something like that 
on the base. Of That's it. like shipping a boxed system in the box and just putting a shipping label. Which on happened it. to me when I, I bought my Odyssey, of my Odyssey shooting gallery rifle. And I a shipped, lot of people have had that happen. I shipped it back, and they were like, "Why? Wow, it was in the box." I, I said, "Listen, half of the value of this stuff is the box. This thing is from 1972 or 73." Uh, flight stick vintage. I'll show you this. You would know what this, which one it was. It has like the floaty top on it. This is it, Ian. This one right here. That one. Oh. You've seen that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a standard one. He I wrote on the side of it because it's big enough. I used so, to play Air Fox on my Apple II, I think. Oh, you had that? Was, was that an Apple II one, too? I, I'm, I think they made an Apple II version. Yeah. So, so it was, in terms of the size of the swap meet, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like bigger than a Friday. You know, small well, it is on Friday, there, but not by much. Bigger than a bread box, but it was like half the size of what it should have been. There was none of the horizontal rows in the back, only the verticals, and it stopped way before the end. I took a sad picture of like showing that it was like half full. And again, it was Easter, but I've been to Easter's before where it was pretty much full. So I'm just like, okay, is this really dead or is it a weird Easter? Maybe it's the first time people want to go out to because it's made the first Easter in a few years where you get together. But Easter is usually like Easter dinner. It's not in the morning. Right. It's not like Super Bowl Sunday where you want to get prepped in the early in the afternoon. So it was depressing. I ended up buying a, in a, a new master lock for my friend who needed one for a locker. Uh, brand new $3 master lock. Um, and then I bought a straw hat, a, a new straw hat for me working in the garden, a big one. Plus my old one's old. Like I got the biggest Big one. old floppy. They're like six. They're not the floppy. This is the hard one. Oh. Uh, six bucks only. For, I don't know how they make money on them. Wonderful. Um, so I got that. And that's about it. Like, oh, I bought two suave antibacterial bottles because you always see someone has like 40 of them brand new. I bought two of them. Just you always want an extra antibacterial, you know, especially if you if you shake hands with Ian. You want to, no, I'm kidding. We don't we never shake hands. We never hug. We never shake hands. We never kiss. Nope. <laughs> so that was my that was my son. And then Frank made uh, chicken marsala. He needs some chicken marsala Love for chicken dinner. Marsala. And I, so I went car I carbo loaded Sunday night. That's good. Uh, NBA playoff weekend was fun. Dubs up 2-0 in the Nuggets. They look like a, a, it looks like they're going to potentially make it to the finals. They can get past the Suns. There. Yeah, so that was my uh, that was my weekend there. Nice. Um, I also went to my uh, PO box for the first time. So I have a so I have a, a UPS address. I have my old PO box still that I use because people would want to send me stuff. And remember the old Frank crates from several years back? We do the loot crate and the Frank crate, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and people sent Frank more stuff to me back then. So I kept my PO box because. I, whenever I go there, there's a few things in there, like packages. I hadn't checked in since since the stuff is dated. I hadn't checked my PO box for over almost a year and a half. Jesus Christ! I still pay for it. It's like 180 bucks because uh, it's a coveted location. PO boxes uh, vary based on where you are. Um, some places are probably really cheap. So I got a few things. Uh, someone sent me. Where's the letter? Someone sent me their 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 old uh, PlayStation, Ian, with some controllers, uh, four PS2 controllers, including the the see through uh, purple one, mm-hmm. and then a pack of games that Ian went through that said that most of it was garbage, but there was like a Silent Hill disc only, yeah, other things. And he sent me a note. This is like old times past, so I'll read it because this was sent a long time ago, and I feel bad, but my my PO box isn't like public anywhere anymore except for those old videos or maybe they saw the old video and sent it hey pat just want to let you know that i'm a big fan of your youtube channel and podcast while cleaning out my room i found some of my old system i'd hope you like to have in your collection thank you 
Uh, keep up doing what you are doing, bringing lots of entertainment to me and other people. P.S. Your ultimate NES book is my go-to book when I'm researching NES games. Check is in the mail. Thank you, Nick. Thank you so much for that. So I got that. And then I got a Genesis game from uh, Neoft Studios. Neo, Neofti? How do you say that? Neofti. Neo-FD, there you know, go. In, in a magnet clasp that I always struggle with these, I'm always like, how do you slide these out? It takes me a minute to realize, oh, it's a magnet clasp. So this is a nice packaging, and you know about this. It is a Demon's Astaberg. Astaborg. Astaborg? Ast- yes. And there's a little cloth map in here, which is interesting. There's a little cloth map, little feelies, little cards, and then there's a little... I thought this was a, a pen opener, and it's not, or, or a letter opener. It's a USB stick. This is where, I guess, the digital game is on. That's cool. There. So thank you so much, Neo FD Studios, because I don't believe we ever mentioned this or brought yeah. this up. It's just they decided to say I would it play it. You want to borrow it? Yeah, I might. Okay. I always let you borrow stuff. You've borrowed my River King for like 30 years. I gave it back to you already. I know, but you, but you, you had it for years. Yeah, never it, used it. it. The battery was dead on it. You never told me that. I did. Well, you also my blood sports shirt for two years before you gave it to me. Mm. Anyway. So, yeah. So, I got that. Now, the following thing was in the back of my trunk, and I feel bad. Well, I was an asshole. So, I was cleaning out my trunk for SoCal to fit more stuff in. I found something in there that I got from my P.O. box probably three years ago and had it in the back of my trunk and forgot about it to get it out. So, someone sent me a nice letter, uh, and they sent me a, uh, an act. They actually printed out a picture of the, of the DVD case and to have me sign it. So I signed it. They actually went through the trouble of doing that, a laminated print. And then they sent me a self-addressed stamped envelope. So all Pat had to do, lazy bum, was sign this, stick it in it, and send it back. So I was going to do it and then send a bunch of other goodies, uh, but I looked up the person's address. I don't, they don't live there anymore, unfortunately. Someone else lives there. Uh. I tried searching for like an hour. I couldn't find it. So I feel really terrible. This is uh, Tony in Alabama. If you are out there, I feel really bad about this. My apologies. Tony, please send me, shoot me an email uh, with your address. I'll send you a book. I'll send you back this if I know your address. He sent me an, a note here. Again, this is this is from, oh, I'm sorry, four years ago, February 2018. Makes me feel even worse. Uh, Pat, I'm the person that emailed you about the Nintendo Blanket. I would like to start this letter by saying how much I appreciate a response from you. You're getting one now. Sorry, four years later, Tony. I also want to reiterate how much I enjoy your podcast. I'm a social worker, and while I'm documenting at work, I typically have your podcast going on in the background. I've included a picture that I request your autograph. I included a self-addressed envelope so that you may return to me for your trouble. I've included an 8-bit link figurine. I have that figurine still. Thank you. Despite its awkward shape, he's able to stand up on his own. Keep making your podcast slash other videos, and I'll continue to watch them. Tell Ian I said hi. Hi. Sincerely, Tony. So Tony from Alabama. Um... Please get in touch with me. My apologies being four years late on that. That's all I can say. I, 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 it was in the back of my trunk. And I forgot about it. My trunk is not, not the best. Junk in your trunk. Junk in my trunk. All right. Battletoads and Double Dragon. It's getting a re-release by Retrobit. An NES re-release. An NES re-release. Again, uh, this, is, this, is, this is where this sort of thing makes sense to me. Not with Lion King and Aladdin, but with something like... Something that was uh, hard to get. Battletoads versus Double Dragon, which is expensive on Metal the Metal Storm was the first case, and that, that was the perfect one. It was a Metal Storm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, now, so it's, it's, it's stuff that's hard to get, 
or, or or never made it here like holy diver um that's what makes sense to me open pre-order window from 419 to 522 60 bucks um castlemania games we love ryan i love ryan at castlemania games heart you ryan um so go ahead and pre-order there and they say that they plan to announce the s uh the release the snes version later this year which is interesting to me because that's oh and they also did the r-type 3 that was the r-type 3 and super r-type those are super hard to get um the snes version isn't as hard to come by as the uh not nearly it's oh, the no. nes version no the nes one is borderline rare it's very uncommon but it's, rare. it's probably a better version of the game if i had to guess but they're, they're good games I mean, yeah and they're popular it, it, it's better than it's yeah. better than the original battletoads battletoads double dragon still has problems but it's definitely better than the oh, original battletoads oh absolutely and that's a quality game there. And then you can get them in Europe. Uh, Spiel and Sand is one of the ones you can get it in Europe. Cause I know that cause they have my books in Sweden and there's a couple other areas. I don't have to listen from right now. So, uh, it's for pre-order right now. Uh, pre-order window is 419 to 522. And then you can pre-order the European retail partners, uh, later in April. And they're going to do the Super Nintendo version. They said later in the year. So that's, uh, all right. So we love retro bits. So we're going to, we're going to help a little bit there. And then. The other thing announced, Ian, was the, the physical Konami Kawabunga collection for one fifty. For one fifty, so it's one fifty. It's a lot, but I do like this collection. I don't know that I would pay one hundred and fifty dollars for it, uh, but I do like what they've done. They're taking the Atari pricing model. <laughs> well, they're at, they're uh, offering the more at least. Um, so it comes with a physical copy of the game with original box designed by Kevin Eastman, okay. um, cloth poster featuring Kevin Eastman's adaptation of TMNT Turtles in Time, multi layer acrylic diorama of Leonardo, Donatello, Raphael, and Michelangelo, enamel pin set of five classic designs, the Technodrome Turtle Blimp Party Wagon Shredder and Krang, set of 12 translucent comic-style character trading cards based on TMNT tournament fighters with rarely seen appearances from Wingnut, Armagon, Chrome Dome, War, Asuka, Karai, and more. So I think that's going to be coming from the Super Nintendo okay, version. So you, you do get a physical copy of the game. Yeah, right? you do get a physical copy of right. the game. And a full-color art book. Knowing more about this, this is kind of cool. It's 180 pages, which is nice. Uh, art of just random art. Featuring a chapter dedicated to each of the 13 games in its compilation. Okay. So that's pretty good. I mean, 180... A uh, 180 page book. Okay. Uh, a chapter to each game divided by 13. That's like 10 pages per game. That's actually pretty decent. Still, still spendy. Uh, it's spendy. I don't have as big of a problem with this as I do the Atari ones because I feel like, um, this is actually offering you something. It's just a matter of do you want what was offered? It's, yeah. I do like the. You're paying $110 for the extra stuff. I do like 40. that they got original Eastman yeah. art for it. It's not just reused sure. stuff. That's pretty cool. Um, and like the diorama is cool, but it's not something I would the use. The pins are cool. There's a little diorama that I guess you can put on your desk. I like, like people, the pins. Do people put these things on your desks, like the diorama. I, mean, I, I am most interested in the book it comes with. And really, that would. I, if I could I flip. Mean, honestly, the book might be available separately at some point. It would make sense. Right. So I mean, maybe I would look at the. Well, I don't know. And, I've never seen books like that come really? out separately. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen a, a uh, well, book included what's a, with a, limited what's a, edition. What's the value of a book like that? 25, 30 bucks, you think? Something sure. Like that? So you got that. And then you're, you're paying for the package. Um, this whole thing is more expensive than I think other people would, than people would want it to be. Sure. Uh, simply because of it's the licensing here, I think, is yeah. really a big deal. Yeah. Um, I mean, the licensing is coming from Nickelodeon. Um, you got new art for Kevin Eastman. I don't think that that magically jumps it to 150. But like I said, I think you can make the argument for the price here a little bit better than you can for those Atari collections. Uh, that said, I, I would, I personally would not buy this. I will definitely buy a physical copy of the game. I'm really looking forward to this collection, but I don't need the extra stuff. 
You need the extra stuff at UltimateNintendo.com, though. Oh, stuff. You need, nice! You need the enamel pins. Woo! You need the RBI baseball stickers. You need the... He, he's got to take a walk because that was such a good one. You, you need the NES and Super Nintendo guidebooks. <laughs> I'm going to take a bow. Uh, the limited t-shirts. We sold a couple of t-shirts the past week. People are back on the t-shirt uh, bandwagon right now. We, I know. Yeah. We sold a few t-shirts That's right good. there. We got mediums and smalls left only. We were selling them. So go to UltimateNintendo.com for all your all your Mother's Day, Mother's Day needs. Your, your mom likes a Super Nintendo. Buy, buy our Super Nintendo book. That's right. And I'm going to be on Twitch on Wednesday, twitch.tv slash country code. Ian will not be there, but nope. I will be there. I will not. Uh, then um, I'm on Cameo, Cameo.com slash uh, Pat Country for all your wish-welling needs, well-wishing needs. And then I'll be at the Midwest Gaming Classic in Milwaukee April 30th and May 1st in a week and a half. I'm excited to get out there and, and uh, meet all the fine folks in there. You see the Super Mario anime back on YouTube remastered? I have I, not I, watched it, but yes, I saw that. Uh, who who put it together? That was important. <laughs> I'm surprised it hasn't been copyright struck down yet. I guess people don't care much because it's 35 years old and it's weird. Nintendo doesn't probably own it. You know, I mean, they own the characters. They don't own the, probably the rights to it. But um, I, I skimmed it. It's interesting because, as someone pointed out, I think Frank Cifoli pointed Frank out. Frank who points out that yeah. it, uh, it's, it's from the, a time before Nintendo really, um, like, codified everything. Yeah. Mario was still a guy, not, you know, a real person. Before they somehow existed in the Mushroom Kingdom, they, it was, they went through, they went to the Mushroom Kingdom from real life. Um, there, they were selling out of a shop with Luigi. Luigi wasn't green; it was like a bluish green color. And then the the most adorable thing about it, skimming through it, was that um, there a little a little blue little caterpillar doggy pet was following around. I'm like, they got to bring that th- little guy back. <laughs> I never saw it. It, it, someone. I guess they they, they palled around with they got in the Mushroom Kingdom. It's only an hour. Um, it's like an hour and one minute. And you see, like, some of the... They, they, they incorporate some of the, the video game music. There's a cute little section near the end where it actually goes, like, goes like fully 2D, like, view, like, you're playing in the dungeon and having... Mm-hmm. Those, it, was, it was, like, a little throwback. So it was very well animated and well done. So uh, check that out when you get a chance to before it's gone or down. <laughs> yeah, they did a full 4K restoration uh, from... clean. Uh, from an original 16 millimeter print that was gotten by someone under the name of Carnival. Oh, it was original print. I didn't see yep. that. Five years later in 2021, he made a deal with YouTuber Femboy Films to restore the print based on the scan Carnival had. Uh, fellow fans Quaza and Nemo removed dust, dirt, and scratches from the print, removing thousands of individual pieces of debris. The movie was color corrected using promotional materials for reference, although much of the visual inconsistency between shots was kept because it's just how it was made. Yeah, you got to keep that in there. You're doing hand-drawn animation. Things weird things are going to happen there. Yeah. Two more fans. Tanks and the Possum did a new audio capture, and uh, they did a new audio capture. Yeah, well, from from uh, the, they did from the a, created a new audio capture based on the original VHS release of the movie, creating the best audio quality okay. this movie has ever they, seen. They digitized it and then cleaned it up yep. the best they could. Yeah. Okay, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. Very very cool. Put it on Blu-ray. <laughs> um, love to see that sort of stuff. I would. I definitely want to watch, especially if it's only an hour long. I'll just get high and watch Mario bounce around for a little bit. It's, it's interesting. Oh, and they gave it definitive subtitles too. Yeah. So, so if you watch on YouTube, you, you can click yeah. on closed caption. You These get are the fans who just went kind of went all out. Yeah, I had heard. I just never were going to see it. You know. Uh, so. Uh, over the weekend, uh, the GBA emulator, uh, emulator for the Switch with a GBA emulator for the Switch was leaked. Uh, leading uh, people are saying it's 99% sure that it's real. It looks like it was made by Nintendo. Uh, codenamed Heroku for Game Boy and Sloop for Game Boy Advance. They hit the internet as fully compiled files. 
uh, link to a 4chan thread posted to the Pokemon board Monday afternoon. Um, later in the thread, original poster suggested that these emulators are official in-house development versions of Game Boy Color advanced emulators for Nintendo Switch Online, which have not been announced or released. So, uh, not a whole lot here to say other than it looks like Game Boy Advance and Game Boy is coming to NSO. At least we hope. Um, same sort of thing happened before when uh, I believe it was uh, the N64 emulator, I believe, leaked. And later on, what do you know? We got N64 games. So um, I think yeah. it's pretty... I, I feel like, and granted, you can't say this sort of thing about Nintendo because Nintendo will not do things just because they like to not do things. But I feel like it's kind of obvious to think that Game Boy Advance is probably on the way. Before probably even regular Game Boy. Yeah, I would say Game Boy, or, or both at the same time. If, if the last big update to NSO Online was, you know, N64 and Genesis, mm-hmm. they would probably announce these as a as a, a unit. Yeah, I guess they'll, they'll wait to see if they, if they see if, it, if it's slowing down the number of subscribers. And, okay, we're going to pump it up here. Sure. Like I said in the past, like, Nintendo ignores Game Boy so much versus every, every other platform that they've had that... It's almost like they would. You need a primer. The, like the, the kids now using Switch, a lot of them probably need a primer on original Game Boy. I'm trying to think if they, they just throw it out. You know, we, we have all the derision when NES games get released on it. Yeah, and it's like almost like a primer. Oh, black and white. Like 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 people that I used to grow up with that. Oh, I don't watch a black and white movie. I'm not saying it's going to happen with everything. Gamers probably a little more sophisticated than that, but almost like Nintendo's got to remind people about the original Game Boy in some aspects. But that's good to hear. Yeah. We're all for it. I haven't, uh, I know I never did the upgrade. Did I do the upgrade? And I don't, I, I use my Switch like once a month. So I don't know. Because you got rid of Super Mario 35. You got rid of it. Well, that's good news there. Um, Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Streets of Rage film announced. Aren't you going to the Midwest Gaming Classic April 30th, uh, May 1st? I am. You know, I already said that. April 30th. Oh, okay. And that's in you, one ear. You, you, you were so shocked by how good my segue was. Oh, yeah. That was a really good segue. Uh, Streets of Rage, uh, getting a movie from the uh, John Wick creator, Derek Kolstad. Um, I love that people... <laughs> It's well, always, well, excuse me, it's always funny to see what people associate you with, because when news about something is released, you'll get flooded. I got absolutely flooded with people telling me about the Streets of Rage movie. Uh, oh, I, I got people too. I'm not even like the biggest fan of the series. Um, so, so this is what I'm going to say real quick. When, so, when you hear movies in the works, that does not necessarily mean it's going into production. Sure. We got to be careful here. Um, obviously, Sonic's done well. Sonic is a very marketable uh, franchise. Cute, cuddly character that's had tons of iterations. Streets of Rage is 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 a beat 'em up, right? Well, we got to temper our expectations that this even gets made. It could get made, but it's not a guarantee it'll get made. We got to we got to be careful here when it comes to this stuff. Yeah, I think people uh, were probably expecting me to be excited about this, but I'm not. Um, yeah, Streets of Rage, you know, it has characters that people recognize. Uh, it has a loose story about Mr. X, but we're talking the minimum of story. And what we know yeah. about the characters are, you know, we like the characters because of their moves, because of how they look. They were stylish in a video game. This is one of those instances where there's not enough in the original video game to 
form it into a movie. What's going to happen, what's going to happen, what you're going to end up with is an action movie with probably cheesy or weird references to the game. And And I don't think that's going to work. And what would it be like? Constant fighting? Like how, like usually you watch an action movie, there's like four or five set pieces in the whole movie, right? There's like four action scenes that split up the movie. Yeah. Better like whatever, five, ten minutes long each, whatever. They split it up. A beat-em-up has no break in action. It's just, you know, there's no story really. It's just like, we're going to keep beating up people. Sure. Like, and that's it. So you, you have to get have something really smart to write this. But Streets of Rage is not exactly a, like, to the casuals out there, it's not known. Sonic is known to, to people that don't play video games anymore. Uh, Streets of Rage is not. Eh, I mean, it's uh, not as popular as Sonic, sure. But I think it's, I, I think you're underestimating it's, it's how well it's known. I mean, people know it. People no. we know know it. Frank would know who Sonic is. Sure. Frank wouldn't know I'm not Street's saying they're the same. I'm just saying it's uh, not an unknown property. I didn't say it's unknown. It's not in the same yes, stratosphere. of course. It's not in the same stratosphere. It, I don't think you can buy, you can you can't bank on the name alone. That's the point. No, absolutely not. Like I said, I think I think the name the problem is is people when they find out it's a video, it's just it's a certain you can't do it. You can't you could, but it's what did Double Dragon make when that movie came out? No, I'm curious. Oh, I mean, it was a bad movie, but uh, Double Dragon movie. I'm, no, I'm curious. To go back off of what I said about Sonic uh, a week or two ago, what makes Sonic work is the fact that the character itself was built up and has enough personality and history behind it that you can put them in a movie and have them sure. act. Blaze? Axel? You know more, more, more personalities? Hagger, Cody, and Guy. Let's no. get that going. Final fight movie. Let's do it. You can't do it. Let's do a final fight they, they, movie. They have no more personality than uh, anyone else. They got cutscenes and personality. What do you mean? Guy likes Jessica. Well, there's cutscenes too in, in Streets of Rage. What I'm saying is, is if you, think you, can, if you think you can do it with Final Fight, you can do it with Streets of Rage. You can't do it with either. You can do it with Final Fight. Let's no, go. you can't. You can absolutely do this it. This is just your, your preferences peeking out. Let's go. Let's fucking do it. I'll, I'll write the screenplay. Just give me a couple back end points. I write the screenplay. Let's go. Uh, Minecraft film. This this will do huge because Minecraft is, is, is gigantic. Even though it makes no sense to do a Minecraft movie, uh, they're they're going to do it. Jason Momoa joins Napoleon Dynamite director uh, on this. Okay. Jason Momoa is is reportedly in final negotiations. This is how you know it's going to be made when they got the star on board. Sure. Just. Uh, Live action, adapt- live action. So this isn't like Chris Pratt voicing someone. Weird. Um, what? What? Uh, I don't know how this is going to work. Neither do I. Uh, I. Unless it starts live action like Captain Andy gets sucked into the game. Right. I was. That's what I was like, thinking. Like, it would Momoa. have to. It would have to be a partial. I think. We like, love Jason Momoa. What? what? I don't get it. We're in another resurgence of video game movies, I guess, because of Sonic success. I guess we're going to have some clunkers. Oh, we're, we're going to have lots of clunkers. We're going we're gonna to have two years. Of Sonic this. worked for specific reasons. Yes, Sonic worked for very specific reasons that you these games it. don't have. You don't well, have a central character uh, with lots of personality. Unless it, only, uh, at least they never made the Tetris movie they thought about. They never made the Pong oh god, movie. yeah, the Pong movie they're going to make. Yeah. That Tetris movie floated around for a while. People right. kept being like, oh, "It's going to happen." No, it's not. Uh, you want to talk about that NXT NFT game? NXT NFT game getting hacked. Axie Infinity. Axie Infinity got hacked to the tune of I think six hundred and forty-five million dollars. Um, which 
one of the biggest breaches in uh, Web3, basically. Web3! The future, the metaverse, NFT and blockchain. Yep. My ass. Um, in addition to that, uh, Archie uh, decided that they were going to launch NFTs. The comic, Ar- the comic Archie. The comic publisher, Archie. It's a, it's an, it's a publisher. Uh, I mean, it's it's more than just Archie. Um, yeah, they decided they were going Sabrina. to do... Uh, they used to have Sonic until like two years ago. Um, Ninja Turtles. Yeah, that's right. Uh uh, they, they were announced to absolute uh, an absolute thud. Uh, people just laughed. Like Archie is so far behind the times. Like you're announcing these as people are finally like starting to move on from them. Um, I guess their Discord was a mess, uh, and they immediately. I, I don't know uh, if they they retracted it or what. It sounds like in order for the NFT stuff to have been access, you had to get this going last year when people were still like, "What the hell is this?" Before you realize, oh, it's a giant scam, right? And then people, then you see stories every day where every day there's millions of dollars being stolen from all these N- NFT uh, ventures and grifts. And the one I just saw, uh, thanks Ian, for talking about Web3 is going great. Yeah, Web3 Web is great is my favorite, one of my favorite Twitter accounts right now. Uh, I told Pat about it over the weekend. Who's Pat? Um, yeah, you. Uh, it's it's a wonderful account that very cleanly just uh, uh, links to all the news stories of everything that is going wrong. Uh, really focuses on the NFT space, and the person who runs the account, Molly White, is actually pretty pro cryptocurrency in theory. They're 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 in theory. They're 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 in theory. They think there's a lot of ways where. And I, I'm not really there, but they think that there is a use for blockchain and things like that. But this is not it. So they have spent. Oh, sure. They've spent a great amount of time. So uh, I, the reason I mention that is for people who are into crypto, though, this is not someone who just bashes on the whole notion sure. of crypto. This is a person who actually thinks cryptocurrency has use cases, but NFTs do not. And yes. it's just a it's a long. Give yourself oh. an hour and just go through like the past month. It's it's great. This is prescient. Update. I just checked the Twitter two minutes ago. Atari cuts ties with their Atari token partner. Holy shit! You that is great. You Thank you. Web, Web three is you great. You can't make this up. This wasn't planned. Yeah, that's uh, amazing. A, <laughs> a press release from Atari announced that the company would be cutting ties with uh, ICICB Group in addition to Atari granting ICIB hotel and casino licenses. The original deal had also had a re- resulted in the creation of the Atari chain, and Atari token, which will be used in the casino. Remember. Uh, Atari token was described as decentralized cryptocurrency that was created to become the token of reference for the interactive entertainment industry. It launched on November 20th, tanking in price immediately on release. Despite a, a brief boom in, around March 2021, the token has mostly traded below its launch price. So do you think Freddie Chesney is going to get his ass booted out at this point? I don't think he's got anything left. In the press release, Atari wrote, Atari disclaims any interest in the joint venture currently promoted as Atari tokens and related websites, white papers, and social media channels are unlicensed, unsanctioned, and are outside the control of Atari. So they don't control their token anymore, it sounds like. This is fucked. So that's what happens when Fred says, that's weird. That's they also weird. wrote that they could would be replacing existing Atari tokens with new tokens in the future. Atari wrote that the termination of the hotel and casino agreements resulted in a $11.8 million write-off, but that the, the financial impact of the token changes wouldn't be disclosed until the uh, 2022 financial year report. Oh, so Holy they're not sh- doing the hotels anymore. It sounds like this whole thing just blew the fuck up. Yeah. yeah. And they wasted $11.8 million. Which is probably why Fred got sent off to the side and they have a new operator. 
Oh, he did too as well? Okay. No, well, Fred Chesney, he's not the... He, he got... Yeah, uh, Arts, had, Arts was the COO on, on the on the VCS side. Fred was always the Christian. Oh, okay. Side. Gotcha. Yeah. He's, he might be still doing this. So basically, this is what happened. They, they, they partnered with someone to create this token. It fell out, but the token still exists out there, and it's called Atari token. Right. So the tokens are still floating around called but, Atari token, but even though the, they are not affiliated anymore with Atari. But now this agreement's fucked... This this is Web 3.0. It's a disaster. Web 3 is great. Tom I, I read one real quick. <laughs> real quick, I read another one that came up. Because now, this happens every day, these scams get reported. Every fucking day, people are getting scammed. Right. Or groups of people. I read one where someone did a legal thing where it was like, well, blo- a lot of this blockchain shit is like, well, the, the laws about how you operate is codified in, in the blockchain. The smart contract. The smart contracts. A number of, of, of the NFTs you own, you get more votes, right? One of these NFTs, one of them, had a rule saying uh, two-thirds majority could pass laws to, to dictate the, the terms, uh, basically, of that NFT group, of that, mm-hmm. the smart contract. What someone did... And this is, could be legal. That's the problem with this stuff. It's like, this stuff can be legal because it's, it's in the contract and it's, it's not regulated. They took out a loan, Ian. They took out a loan to get the money to purchase two-thirds of the tokens. Two-thirds. They then passed a law saying, all ownership of all coins go to me. I have two-thirds. Now I own all of them. And then sold them. Wow. Off. They ruined the entire. They basically robbed the entire thing blind legally by the terms of that smart contract. Isn't that great? Yeah, it's amazing. Web Web three is going great. Real quick, last thing on NFTs we didn't bring up uh, the Jack Dorsey. Uh, God, Jack Dorsey is annoying. Um, sold a tweet as an NFT last year. Uh, he was it, the old old CEO of Twitter. It was bought for we don't have that information down here. It was like it, four, 20 million I think it was 20 it, something like that. Yeah, it was like 20 uh, 20 million or it was I think it was like 26 million. Okay. Or, or uh, yeah, I'll look it up real quick. Something like that, or 2.6. Look it up please. Thank you. Uh <laughs> the person who had it uh announced that oh, they sorry. were sorry. It once sold for 2.9 million. 2.9. Okay. 2.9 million. Uh, the person who had it announced that they were going to sell it, and they were expecting to get something like forty million for it. I think this is a URL pointing to a picture of the, the first tweet from two thousand, I think five. When six. I uh, heard about this story, his highest offer was in the hundreds. I think eventually the final offer for this tweet ended up being like two or three thousand dollars hundreds of dollars not hundreds yes. of millions hundreds of dollars hundreds of dollars hundreds of um, single dollars and now it's going to get under it's going to get thousands i think it's going to get like two thousand six hundred or three thousand uh, something this article says that it might get fourteen thousand fourteen thousand a reflection of a maturing nft market meaning this is garbage yes this is garbage um yeah reflection of a maturing the funny thing about that tweet is it's not even the original tweet because the way t- uh, twitter works is that the tweet will still be there, but it'll update the look around it when you go back and reference right. it. The avatar change. So uh, it wasn't even a reference of the original, original tweet. tweet. It was it's just, just the words how it looks now. Yes. Um, yeah, it's 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 crazy. And what it shows, I think, is well, well I, I think what's happening here is the, those original very low offers stuck for a day or two, if I'm not misremembering sure and then what happened was you started to see it jumping up into like the two three thousands now you said it's at like fourteen thousand um i think what's probably going on is people who are really invested in 
NFTs realized, hey, it's going to look really bad if we let this one sell for fucking chump change. But that's chump change. For it's go- still chump going change. Going from $3 million right. to 14000 So I think you're seeing people who are throwing like extra money at it. Probably rich people who don't have to worry about it to try to make it look better, but you're not going to make it look well, better. Unless you get more than you know, what you say, paid for it, it's you, not going to look better. Why don't you throw $4 million at it because you realize this is done. It's right. done. You can't prop it up. It's just ridiculous. We're going to run through the next two topics real quick. We still have stuff to cover. Yes. Uh, Warner Brothers basically looking for like basically like uh, a DC czar. They say what like Kevin Feige is for for the Marvel stuff. Yep. They're reshuffling because it's a fucking mess between the TV and the movie stuff. There's no connections. And we know that. Um, and then Ezra Miller uh, is a head case. Um, apparently, and so uh, all f- future Flash stuff uh, with them is going to be halted. And the Flashpoint movie still has to come out this year. Yeah. And it sounds like uh, they knew Ezra was a head case before and still did Flashpoint, it sounds like. And so now you might get a new Flash after only like two, after like one solo movie and two real movies. It's it's ridiculous. They should have done, Warner Brothers should have done this. Obviously, from the start, we said this, but like after they kicked Zack Snyder away, they should have done it a few years ago and they still didn't do it. Right. You had some properties be successful, some not. Uh, Birds of Prey tanked horribly. I tried watching it on TV, and I'm like, this is rough. Um, and, and Harley Quinn is a great character in the movie. And, and the portrayals, it's a rough movie to watch. Birds of Prey. Uh, Birds of Prey. Uh, that's rough. But the Suicide Squad was good. It was amazing. I so like, it was great. So like, it's super uneven. Wonder Woman 2 was panned by everyone as being horrible. When the first one was pretty good. So like, we still have Aquaman 2 to come out with. Flashpoint, we, we, we have a Batman doesn't exist with the, with the Justice League universe. Superman is being done nothing with their biggest person. Superman, nothing. Nothing. And so they're trying to remedy this, and it's a mess. The first Playdate uh, reviews are getting out there, Ian. Yep. Um, so the Playdate is get, has another round of impressions. Uh, I'm excited for the Playdate. I'm not happy with how they've handled the roll out uh, roll out getting that out of the way first uh i like the idea of the play date um you know i understand that the batteries were bad they said first quarter i was expecting changing batteries in the units to take less than four months um i was also kind of unhappy to see another round of influencer units go out. Basically, they redid the review stuff from the summer. Um, I know they have to have media as soon as things start going out, but we've been waiting. And it's kind of annoying to see, and I would, and, and, and people may not believe me, but I would feel this way if I had gotten one too. Um, I don't, I, I think all you're doing is making people jealous and making it look like an us versus them sort of thing. Yeah. If you send out another round of review units for people to wave in our faces when we've been waiting, you're already uh, behind. The only devil's advocate thing I say is that we don't know when they were sent the units. It might have been in the fall before they discovered the problems, but it still looks weird. Yes. Having all the influence, like, it does look weird. Yeah, it but- doesn't look great. Yeah. Um, get the units out. That said, the reviews seem to be uh, fairly positive. Um, the one from GameStop is positive. The GameStop? One, GameSpot. GameSpot is positive. That was done by Stephen Petit. Uh, the one by Sam Makovich uh, is, ve- is very positive. Um, the uh, Metal Jesus did one, on the other hand, though, that was uh, pretty negative on the screen. And I, I do have to agree. Uh, I I, th- I feel like not putting a backlight on this thing was a very very strange move. I thought we said at the time it wouldn't be as big of a deal as we thought because of the black and white. Probably not, contrast. and probably because of the screen. But still, it's just why make that decision? 
I don't think it would have increased the price. You can't tell me it would have increased the price of it by a whole lot. A dollar? I mean, like, how can it possibly be for a little And while? my understanding uh, of the play date is, is it's not like it has like a $40, a 40 hour battery life that they're trying to maintain. I think but, it has like an eight to 10 hour battery life. So that, you're saying that it's already kind of. Okay. So you don't really need it's not to like be, a Kindle that lasts like forever. Right. You can't, you can't say, well, because we don't have the backlight in there, it lasts for 40 hours. I'm surprised. It's only eight hours on that? I think it's eight to 10. I think so. You know how Kindles can Could last be like three days because yeah. it's just like that. It's My just Kindle like has life. like a battery that's probably fifty percent spent, and I can still get like I, I, I still get probably twenty four hours of reading out yeah, of the, it. Those, those are legendary. The batteries because it's not a lot of power draw. Yep. on it uh, on that. So so uh, I don't mean to sound negative. I, I mean I'm still very very much looking forward to this. Uh, I really want to play. But the combination of the influencers getting their stuff and you, you're looking at you like okay, I, may, I might be I want a backlight on this now. I, I, well, well, that's what the super play is. <laughs> Right, um, but it, it's like the Game Boy Advance all over again. Especially when you look at the review by the GameSpot review, uh, they do show a lot of pictures of it in action, and it doesn't look like it's that bad without the backlight. It just strikes me. Bad. It just strikes me as a very strange choice. So, I yeah, mean, yeah, it depends. I guess how bright that can get the white because a lot of blacks gonna be black. So, or, uh, Group One is rolling out right now. Okay, I'm in Group One. Playdate said it was going to take them a month to ship out everyone in Group One. A month for like it's like twenty thousand. So I don't know where I'm at in that. I still haven't gotten the email. That also kind of bums me out. Again, not so negative, but the whole interesting thing about Playdate to me, it's not the crank that sold me. I like little gadgets. You want the you want the schedule of release. It's the schedule of releases. Yeah. It's the group discovery thing. It's the notion that the in a perfect yeah. world, everyone That's is playing the same game at the same time and discovering at the same time, which is going to foster discussion. It's how we're consuming media now on TV. Like a new episode comes out, you everyone watches it. But yeah. Playdate's season of games starts when you get it. So if I get mine in a week and someone gets theirs in four weeks... Um, we're not going to be on the same page. Are you sure that can't be changed? Because that seems like a really weird thing to do. Like, no, yes. th- 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 I, I know even... you don't want to find something to dislike here, but uh, yes, that's how they're doing it, and they've said it many, many but times. But that doesn't make any sense. If you're if you're behind everyone, if I get this... I don't... If, I agree. If I, if I get I mine agree. in September, why do I got to wait three months to play everything? To see everything that everyone's been talking about. Yeah, it's dumb. They're gonna change. They're gonna change that. That's awful. They're gonna, they have to change that. I, there's got to be a... Have to I feel that. like there's got to be a real time option there ha- they have to change that there's no the, the surprise is gone you're saying i'm going to be locked to play my 24 games uh, it's going to take me six months to get them or no it's two weeks it's still three months that's ridiculous it makes sense to do that if uh, everyone is doing it at the same time yes. so if there's a season two and season two yes. starts on december 1st yes. you know or something like that and people have that's to great that I, that's when i like the idea but yes. the idea they should. I feel like they should have thought about it a little more. It's a neat idea, but only if everyone has them in their hands and they're all starting from square one. Yes. And if you get it late, I don't believe you should have to wait. No, thank you. I think that, I think they'll change that. There'll be there'll be a discovered way to get around that. I think there will. Oh, be. there's going to be a way yes. around it. I'm sure. Because oh, this is an open system. This is an open system. I feel like it's there's a way like, around yeah, it. I just don't it. feel like there's. Yeah. Well, they're know. still they're still feeling things out. I think on that side, panic, but uh, yeah, but hopefully you get your, hopefully we'll have a full review, uh, hopefully in a month or so, we'll yeah. see when Ian gets it. And then finally, breaking news uh, via uh, people tweeting at us, uh, Intellivision Entertainment made their Earthworm Jim video 
uh, private. The game that was never, ever going to happen, more than any of the other games, that you got a two-second clip of a piece of animation on, they left that video up through thick and thin, through all questions. Why? Because Earthworm Jim was pretty much the only thing that was giving them any sort of interest outside of a group of psychophants. Yes. Um, By taking this off, I think this this to me is a big admittance of defeat. It's the last thing that would get knowledge out there. Well, the rights holders to Earthworms and probably said, what the fuck are you doing? This has sure. hundreds of thousands of views, and this ain't happening. We know that. Sure. Take the video okay. down. That as well. You can look at it a couple ways. Because that video got way more views than anything else on the channel. Got the once they put out they put it out originally it was part of their October 2020 uh September August 6, originally August 5th, remember? They put it back the day August 6, 2020 where they announced this isn't coming out in 3 months even though we knew it wasn't coming out months before that in October. They then put, took that part of the end and then put it as its own video and that got hundreds of thousands of views. Yeah. And then we said no one's working on this. This is like a fucking Adobe animation we're seeing yeah. from After Effects. Yep. Smoke and mirrors. It was fraudulent. Fraudulent. fraudulent to do that bullshit. And, and, and probably the rights holders, whoever has Earthworm Jim not looking up, said, all right, this is done. Why are you using it? This is bullshit. That's probably what happened with it. Um, also, I'd like to point out that Zadok Pet has not been active on uh, Reddit in oh. approximately 169 days. Oh, boy. Uh, which would have been right around the time that he tried to smear us. Uh-huh. And, uh, call, and call me a racist. That awful piece of shit. Uh, hey, Zadok, you want to have a dialogue? You want to... Where are you, buddy? You scared? Uh, you know, you can apologize. You fucking moron. You can apologize again at a convention, I guess. You can do yeah. that. There. All right. Well, that's good. That's it for the intro. The ding goes off like a, like a, like a flambe is, is getting cooked. That was a, that was a marathon intro. Uh, 48 minutes. We've done longer. We have. This segment of the CU Podcast is brought to you by Monk Pack. Monk Pack offers low-sugar, keto-friendly bars, which are plant-based, gluten-free, and non-GMO. They're the perfect snack for anyone who is trying to eat better or cut back on sugar and carbs without sacrificing taste. Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars and Nut and Seed Bars contain one gram of sugar or less, two to three grams of net carbs, and each bar contains 150 calories or less. Monk Pack Bars have an amazing chewy texture and come in delicious flavors like sea salt dark chocolate, coconut cocoa chip, and caramel sea salt. And these really are delicious. The coconut cocoa chip is probably my favorite of all of them. And it's it's just like a, it's like the chewy granola bars you got as a kid. Yeah, but they melt in your mouth. But they're, they're, they're not awful for you, like the old granola bars of our youth. Uh, my personal favorite is the peanut butter dark chocolate one. I love dark chocolate. I love peanut butter. It is good. My mouth's already watering. These are delicious. They're perfect for a quick breakfast, a snack between Zoom calls, or as a guilt-free, decadent dessert. By shopping online, you can avoid another trip to the grocery store and have Monk Pack delivered right to your door. These bars are not just for people eating keto. They're a great snack for anyone looking to reduce their sugar intake while still enjoying delicious, flavorful snacks. You want something yummy? Just grab these. You don't have to be on any specific diet. They contain real ingredients that are delicious and nutritious for your whole family. And in addition to being keto-friendly, the bars are also gluten-free, plant-based, and non-GMO with no sugar alcohols, soy, or artificial colors. 
Get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering our code CU Podcast at checkout. Monk Pack is so confident in their product that it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. Again, to get started, go to monkpack.com. That's M U N K P A C K. Dot com and select any product, then enter our code CU Podcast at checkout to save 20% off your purchase of these delicious bars. Ian! Patrick, tell me. About, tell me about tell me about what's going on with water. Okay, so this was alerted uh, over the weekend. Um, this was a Reddit thread. A lot of news gets... Br- I'm not big into the Reddit, but I like, I like browsing it. I, I have never I, once posted, but I like to read it. Uh, for certain things keeps you up to date it's a whole it's a whole uh, lifestyle it's community so on the game collecting subreddit um potential class action against water games inc in california this comes from uh bengo shijani this was seven days ago oh almost a week i heard about it a little bit later hello all i'm an attorney a game collector and a longtime community member my law firm is presently preparing a class action case to be filed against collectors universe that's the the parent company that bought them last summer and WADA games, Inc in USDC federal court in California. If anyone would like to join the class as a named plaintiff, please send me a message and we can go from there in order to be a named plaintiff. You would have to have sent a game in for grading with WADA games within the last two years and not received it back in the window estimated by WADA games. You do not have to reside in California to participate as a case will be filed in federal court and will be attempting. We will be attempting to certify a nationwide class. A lawsuit class, real quick, just means that they can file it. You you don't have to be a part of it when it's filed. They can then find out later, hey, these are the people that can be part of that class. You ever get right. stuff in the mail like, hey, we advertised a razor and it was bullshit. Here's a, here's some money for you or here's a free razor. Yeah. Stuff like that. It's just the class certifying doesn't mean everyone's in it suing at one time. They'll do it on behalf of you out there. And if you want to be a part of it later, you can jump on board. Yes. Um, I recently got one for EpiPens. Okay. There you go. Uh, well, while the complaint is not yet finalized, I can offer an overview of the issues. The claims intended include unfair bris- business practices, RICO violations, and fraud claims. Do the RICO. Specifically, the complaint addresses the statements on the company's website involving false, quote, estimated turnaround times, the fact that paying increased fees does not actually result in different service level, and the market manipulation allegations that were more fully addressed in the Carl Jobs YouTube video and the Seth Abramson articles. This post is intended as a public comment. It is not a solicitation. That line, let me know, that's probably a lawyer, just by including that line for legality's sake. So here we are, Ian. We've been talking about this for like three years now, that there's there's some fishy shit going on Mm -hmm. out there, that these people knowing each other, being in bed with each other, uh, Jim Halperin, uh, the owner of Heritage Auctions having a stake in Wada Games, uh, these people uh, taking on games that they co-own and then uh, estimating the price for them, uh, a grading company estimating a price on something which they're not supposed to do ethically or perhaps legally, uh, going on Pawn Stars and saying these things, uh, driving in the fucking car with the person allegedly, that you're then estimating the price on this stuff. This was all collusion. We know that. And so the pushback I used to get was, well, okay, People know each other. That's what I got. Uh, okay, but if you're if you're misrepresenting relationships in in also establishing your business, remember, Wada Games was the only grading company allowed in Heritage Auctions, and Wada had zero history for that to be to be the case. 
Right. BGA had existed since what the late 2000s, 2009, 2010. They existed. They had a history. You may have liked it, but they were established. And the fact that you had a monopoly going on between the person who ran or running heritage auctions, who also has a stake in the new grading company, that's fishy. There's something going on then. Coupled with uh, blatant market manipulation that we've talked about at length, that Carl Jobes has spoken about, that Seth Abramson has reported on, we all saw this coming uh, to this point. However, a lawsuit has to be specific to, uh, for damages. You have to say, okay, what damages do you specifically get? So this is a, a good strategy here because, okay, people have paid for a service, Ian. They're not getting a return on their service within the time allotted, especially since if you go to Awada's website, yes, there are tiers. Get it back in a week. Get it back in uh, 30 days. Right. So, so them helping to contribute to this market spurred on the demand for their customers, new customer base to come great games. Correct? You see where I'm going with that? Yeah. And that's where this is going. All these weird actions and, and collusion help create their own market and more business that they then could not even uh, properly attend to in their advertised times. That's what's going to be, uh, I think, contended in this lawsuit. And that with all these relationships that we all know in the tangled web here, I think it's pretty damn strong as a start. Uh, when you, and we'll get into some of his responses here. What were your first thoughts when, when you heard this, Ian? Um, I think most of the other stuff is going to be difficult, but I think the the, the collusion and stuff like that, I think, but I do think charging for um, the expedited procedures um, and not getting things back in time, um, I think that's going to be the bit that sticks. And I think that's why they're picking that. Because once you pick a bit that sticks, everything else kind of gets explored. Yes. Um, with, with the lawyers. You just have to find something that a lawyer likes. Latch on to. You have to find something for yeah. the lawyer to latch on to. And then they will investigate all the other things that don't seem um, that might not have as much substance. But they will do the deep dive on them then while they're looking at it. Sure. So some no of reason I would know anything about that. N- none at all. I just watch a lot of lawyer stuff. Yeah. And, and Suits used to be the best. Show. You ever watch Suits? Suits is a great show. No one ever talked about Never Suits. watched Suits. It was good. Um so there's some responses here. You get more detail here. I, I wish you could sue them for grading their employees' games, owning the auction. This is someone commenting. Owning the auction house many of their graded games are sold through and buying amongst themselves at high prices to artificially inflate values on their graded games. The response from the lawyer, we have these allegations in the draft complaint as part of the RICO racketeering claims. Such claims are often difficult to state, and the pleading standard is very demanding. But in this case, I believe these allegations are justified. I am hopeful to see where it can go. So this is a part of this lawsuit. Yes. They're going to explore this. And this is the, this is the brilliant thing about uh, these, these cases, especially civil cases. Go, these are long, long periods of time. Civil cases uh, take a hell of a lot longer than, than criminal cases, usually. There's, mm-hmm. dis, there's uh, things like discovery, the, getting information back and forth. Like, you have to open up everything. So if this gets going, um, they're going to say, we want all the fucking emails between all your employees, for example. We're going to want all the communications between Jim Halper and, and Dennis Khan. We're going to start to see all of this. Unless it settles. Unless it settles. So they're going to be, they're going to have to open up everything to this. This is why this is, this is why this is going to go someplace. It's going to go someplace. If they, if they, if they fight this too hard, we're going to hear more and more stuff come out, uh, from this, uh, Someone said, uh, please tell me Carl Jobes is helping. Also, as an owner of Water Games, do you expect to introduce a suit for such a class of harmed folks? 
Uh, right, right now we are, this is the response right now. We are working on the class definition. I think that, that the only way to have a good chance to have the class certified is to limit it to people who have gotten games graded through WADA, even though I fully recognize that anyone who owned a WADA graded game was harmed by the conduct of WADA games as disclosed by Jobs and Abramson and maybe Ferguson and Contry. Uh, we do not have direct involvement with, from Jobs or Abramson. However, the work those gentlemen did absolutely convinced the attorneys and staff here, especially the non-collectors, to take this matter on. They did amazing work, and we are really grateful uh, to them for doing the, the legwork and laying everything out as they did. Um, there's a couple more about more of the strategy involved here that goes more into how, how the fraud could be a part of this. Uh, here we go. This is from Mark Zero. I, I am also an attorney in California for video games. Can you explain the link between late processing times and the market manipulation? What specific claim is that addressing? Thanks. Uh, Wad, and this is the response from the lawyer. Wad and Heritage Auctions conspired to artificially inflate the retro game market by selling video games to their friends and cohorts, including the owner of Heritage. That's a fact. Like, they can argue that they didn't do that. That's in black and white. They use public theatrics, including going on Pawn Stars, pretending to not know each other, and then pretending to appraise their own games, artificially inflating expectations and prices. They also claim to avoid the appearance of impropriety while simultaneously giving their associates preferential treatment and special badging, the California, uh, Carolina collection, all while allowing their employees to sell, water game, water, to sell games water itself graded. In the meantime, average collectors did not know the behind-the-scenes dealings, started sending in their games for grading based on the artificial market hype, questionable sales, fake appraisals, and media appearances by this company. Price games continue to skyrocket. WADA carried on charging people large sums to grade games, but they were swamped. They claimed you could get your game back in 45 business days, but held them for eight or nine months, even for ex expedited service tiers, effectively prohibiting collectors from participating in the favorable market. But that they helped create, by the way. They continued hyping their own services and the value of their graded games, knowing full well they could not meet their own deadlines. They never offered people discounts or refunds or even disclosed that the different service tiers were all fiction. They just kept taking money. Meanwhile, in August 2021, independent journalists exposed the market and manipulation. Wada continues to have people's games often nearly year on, and the market for those games have changed significantly. Ultimately, both Wada and Heritage profited immensely off their own, own false hype. There you go. That's the case. That's solid. And I will add this. Uh, if you're out there listening to this, one of the other things that they did in terms of, yes, you have more business coming. You're charging more for expedited service you can't do. Games that get graded, the, the price to grade them is based partially on the valuation, the, the market valuation. So in them conspiring to manipulate the market, their prices go up for grading. They're making money all ends of this. They make more money the more expensive they tell you your yes. game is going to be worth. The more they expensive help. they can get these games to be, the more money they make. Yes. That's the racketeering part, I believe. That's the Rico part of it. To do me. Rico. Do, 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 so do, 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 that on its surface, is like, like they said, it's hard to claim. Like, there's no damages to me and Ian personally. There's no monetary damages. They help fuck over it and mar our hobby. That's fine. That's not monetary. But the people that are spending money to get these graded... With the expectation also they can then turn around and sell them for, for the price that may be manipulated in the market, that's the direct loss right there. That's where they have a strong case. So, uh, got to bring this up. Okay. Because it just came up. Uh, and this is probably big. Nintendo hit with a labor complaint. 
Nintendo manages to avoid. You want to cut this into this? I'm still going, but okay. Uh, yeah, I just, I mean, we're not going to be able to make a full topic out of okay. this, but um, an unnamed worker is alleging that Nintendo and a firm it uses for hiring contractors violated their legally protected right to unionize, according to a new filing with the National Labor Relations Board. Um, in the U.S.? Yeah, in the U.S. You never hear about Nintendo when it comes to labor issues. So this is pretty big. And wow. with the groundswell of support that unionization has seen uh, over the past few months, uh, which I'm happy to see, um, this could look really bad for them very quickly if they don't figure it out. So just just pointing that up, uh, there's no other news. This was literally announced an hour ago, so not a whole lot else to mention there, but I feel like if we didn't mention that, people would ask constantly okay. why we didn't mention that. Well, back to this. There's another response from, from the lawyer here. Uh, they're, a, they're a longtime video game collector and had personal experience with WADA and their nonsense. They said, I was really dumbfounded by the Carl Jones video and the Seth Abramson articles. See, that's the thing. We take for granted that we follow this step by step by step. What if you didn't? What if you were just a collector out there? You, oh, I see prices go up, Ian. I don't see all these press releases. I don't know these people all know each other. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, people can get sucked in by this and thinking it's all natural. Again, I'm not naming names. I had longtime collectors and, and multiple game journalists say to me when I pointed out before the Carl Jones video, look at all this stuff. They all know each other. Something's going on here. Oh, it's not a big deal. This is just a natural progression in the market. They were hand-waving me like I was a fucking crazy person. And that's what's insulting. That's what's insulting about all of it. Are you insulted by it, Ian? I was insulted by it. I'm not insulted. I don't get insulted very easily. But you're not miffed when you when people say to your face like you're, you're, this is nothing, when you're like what? How is this nothing? Because you you want it to be nothing. Uh, so anyway, so so going on, the lawyer had to educate the rest of the law firm about video game collecting, which is funny as hell to think about that. <laughs> that they're, all, they're all in a boardroom. Uh, tell me, tell me, Joe, what's up with uh, video games being uh, collected? Well, I just picture all these old stuffy guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they they but they were like, okay, there's enough here. Let's go. Let's try to do the class action suit here. And as you said. If they settle, that would prevent all the information from coming out slowly but surely, being drawn out from it. A, a lot of law. I mean, most lawsuits, especially what I mean, ones that aren't criminal. I mean, they settle because sure. it prevents you from well, going through uh, weeks and years worth of bullshit. Well, this is an interesting thing now, though. Collectors Universe bought them. Remember, yeah. right after the announcement of the, of the 1.5 million Mario 64, it was like I guess it was plan or whatever. Yeah, I wonder. Because Collector's Universe now has this liability. They bought the liability of all the crap that, that WADA did before that. What, what's the ramifications for now Collector's Universe looking at it? It's like, what the fuck did we buy? Did they know that there was, this stuff was potentially going on under their nose? Would they have offered a lot less, knowing that, wow, some of these prices might not be natural? There's some, there's some stuff that might, that's going to come out from this, I think. This could, this could take a year. This could take two years. This, this, if this lawsuit goes forward, this is going to be some shit. I'm not saying it's going to rock everything upside down, but we're in for a ride, I think. And I'm glad I'm glad this is uh, coming to people's attention, that, that people have the power to do something about it. By the way, this lawyer also said they did file something with the FTC, Federal yep. Trade Commission. So we'll see what something happens happens there. I don't have a huge amount more to add, but um, yeah, this is, this, is, this is interesting, Ian. Are, you like it? You pretty much covered everything. It's interesting. Oops. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. I, I, I don't care about collectors. You don't I, care about I just I just don't care about this world or market at all. But you care that 
that people can take advantage of. Yes, I do care that people are getting taken advantage of, but I don't care about Collector's Universe or whatever either. They can do their own research. Oh, about Collector's Universe, the company. Yeah, I don't give a shit about them. Gotcha. Thought I knew my mom better than anyone. But I don't. Every once in a while, she hits me with a story that I've never heard before. And I was thinking, what would be a good way to collect these stories? So I got my mom's story worth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones connect through sharing stories and memories and preserve them for years to come. Every week, StoryWorth emails your mom a thought-provoking question of your choice from a vast pool of possible other options. Each unique prompt asks questions you've never thought of, like what's some of the best advice your mother gave you? Or if you were to do it all over, what would you do differently? Uh, there's also questions like, you know, explain a vacation you went on as a, as a kid. Um, you know, things that might not come up in, like, everyday conversation with your mom, but would still be interesting things for you to learn about. Really enjoyed reading my mom's uh, answers to these questions. I've discovered stories and memories I've never heard about and learned new things about stories I thought I really knew. Uh, for instance, one of the recent ones was a, uh, a humorous moment you remember from uh, your child's early years. And uh, it got my mom talking about the time that I dumped all of this flour into my lap in the kitchen when no one was looking. Terrible kitty. Yeah, I thought I was going to be a baker. After one year, StoryWorth compiles all these questions and stories, including photos that you can attach into a beautiful keepsake book the whole family can share for generations and it'll be great to have around and it's something that i'd like to have around i don't live near my parents it would be fun to kind of just have that book nearby uh, when i'm thinking about my parents my mom give all the moms in your life a meaningful gift you'll both cherish for years StoryWorth. right now for a limited time you'll save ten dollars on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash cu podcast that's s-t-o- R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash CU podcast to save $10 on your first purchase. Storyworth.com slash CU podcast. Uh, we got a, we got a Patreon, Ian. We do. Patreon.com slash CU podcast. You go. Money. Uh, weekly writings. <laughs> Put another nickel in the Nickelodeon. Put another nickel in the Nickelodeon. Uh, you get writings from me. I talked a little bit about my pinball tournament as well in writing this week. And edibles. Uh, and edibles. Uh, I also... Not the writing. The edibles. Uh, the, the edibles was the intro. The intro. Gotcha. Um, you get the full video podcast. You get uh, hangouts. You get bonus bits. Bonus. Bonus bits. And you get these polls. So this was a close one. You got a 55-45 split. We've had closer. We had 50-50, but this is respectable. In second place, with PRGE returning, what do you expect to be the same different three years later? 45%. Kind of surprised that one didn't win. People probably didn't know what PRGE meant. Poor Retro Gaming Expo. And in first place, 55%. The top NES games ranked, this is a listicle, uh, one of Seth Abramson's, uh, the lawyer, that has been doing great work with retro lists and, and putting together different sources and combining them to try to come up with some academic way of saying, these are the top NES games. We did the, 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 the top worst games before. Here's the top top uh, NES games. And we will not start with number one first, Ian. No, nope, not we'll, this time. <laughs> we'll do the top 20, 25 here. Tied for 24th. It's like the Olympics. Double Dragon 2, The Revenge, and Mega Man 3. Yeah, I think both of those are fantastic. Double Dragon 2 is probably uh, maybe not the ultimate beat-em-up on the NES, but it's close. I mean, I would put it up there with River City Ransom. It's probably the most famous one, Double Dragon 2. 2. Um, and 2 is straightforward, unlike, you know, River City Ransom, which has more story RPG, stuff. Yeah. Uh, 2 is great. Um, it's two players, fix, so fixes that issue uh, for Great part controls. one. 
Great controls. Um, awesome control scheme where one button punches to your... One button is an attack to the left. The other is an attack to the right. Punch forward, and, kick back. And once you get used to it, it's 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 very, very easy to mm-hmm. use. Um, it's a lot easier to take on groups of enemies in Double yes. Dragon 2. Um, it's a fantastic game. The only thing I don't like about it is sometimes it goes from the three-quarters view to like a side view, and they'll add platforming elements. Yeah. And platforming elements suck in Double Dragon games yes. in any beat-em-up on the NES because they always make you use two buttons to jump. Yeah. And I get it. I get it. You need yeah. more buttons for attacks, but and the jumps aren't precise. But don't. There's no need <laughs> to oh. put to put platforming in a in a in a no, fucking beat 'em up. Added, the added platforming is miserable on on the console versions, especially on the NES one. It's miserable to jump off the ledge and try to hit the other ledge. It's miserable. And then Mega Man Three is a great game for sure. This uh, one surprised me. Number twenty two, Blaster Master and Excite Bike tied for twenty two. Excite Bike surprised me. Obviously, Excite Bike is one of those games. I always say like, tell me, tell me ten NES games. Someone will say Excite Bike because it's like what it's like synonymous with the NES. Yes. It's a good game. It's a really good game. I'm just surprised it made the top list. That could be nostalgia in it or the fact that, like I said, it's like one of the early games people played on the NES. Excite Bike almost always sold with a set with the purchase of a Nintendo. Yeah. Um, it is a really fun game. Um, when I was a kid, it was one of my favorites. As I've gotten older, it's I still fun. like it. I think it's just it's, it's solid. It's, it's pick up and play, and it's it's not it's you not know intimidating. Well, it's not intimidating, but there's also not a lot like it out there. True. It's it's a racing game where you don't have to control the direction. You just change lanes, and you're just really controlling your jump. And it's really just uh, it, 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 it's it's and, almost yeah. platforming when it gets harder because you're sure. you're just you're you're figuring out how to navigate the obstacles in the fastest way possible. You're right. More so than more so than it's racing. Like, it's anything. like a it's like a, you have to you have to land correctly for to maintain your yeah. speed. No, you're right. It's like a platformer racer. That's interesting, Ian. Yeah. That's kind of about what how they designed it. To yeah. be honest, because it's not a traditional racing game. No, not at all. Um, and then I, Blaster Master. That was one that a lot of people uh, like, but I am a little surprised to see it on here. I'm not surprised to see Blaster Master. That that used to be always in the Nintendo Power top list. It was always up there. Sure, Blaster Master. And that's a game that I was a little experienced about. I, I'm a, I'm ashamed of not playing much of Blaster Master. I'm ashamed of it. This uh, is uh, an interesting one. Uh, tied for twenty. Bio, Bionic Commando and Duck, Duck Hunt, Hunt. The most two different games you could possibly get, which I think is funny. So Bionic Commando is a great game. It's unique. Uh, it stood out as unique then. It still stands out as unique now. Four and a half stars, of course, um, the NES guidebook. Eliminating, eliminating uh, jumping and using an interesting arm mechanic yes. that can also help you uh, block things. Attack enemies. Attack grab, enemies. Grab items. Yeah. Fantastic game. Very interesting. Great music. We uh, talk about the music enough. Yeah, really good music. Um, Duck Hunt is Duck again. Hunt. It's like the excitement thing. It's like everyone plays Duck Hunt. It's beloved. Excite Bike uh, is actually fun though. Duck Hunt has no depth and is. I mean, it's it's neat, but I can't tell you yeah. how many people uh, like. Well, this is why when I see these lists, this is what I always think. This is a, this is obviously a compilation of the list. These are people that don't know the depth of the NES library. They sure. know they know like forty to fifty NES games. They don't know the hundreds and hundreds of NES games in order to draw from. In order to be like okay, because if you knew the entire library. Duck Hunt's not making top 25. Sure. It might make top 100, 150. It's not t- making the top 25. Sure. So keep that in mind when you go through this. People are going to be like, wow, what about this game? What about this game? I mean, I mean hell, uh, I don't know. Danny Sullivan's Indie Heat is better than Duck Hunt, people could say, you know, randomly. Okay. Uh, 19. Yes. Kid Icarus. Um, sure. Sure. It wouldn't make my top 25, but people love it. Um, it's one of my favorites. It's hard uh, as hell. Uh, everyone loves playing the first world. No one loves playing anything after exactly. that. That's why I'm like, yeah, it's a little uneven. Um, but it, no, I get it. And I mean, I loved that game as a kid. Um, 
Tie for 17. River City Ransom and Batman. Both good choices. River City Ransom, I think, beats out uh, Double Dragon 2 just a bit if you want to uh, beat him up with meat. You know, one that you're not just going to play through and be done with. That's really fun. Lots of secrets in it. Batman is one of the better licensed games out there. Sure. Uh, again, has fantastic music. It was by Sunsoft and really nice graphics. Uh, the game is brutal to play. I mean, it gets really hard really quick. Oh, absolutely. That's a tough game to get through. Yeah. Uh, but it's but it's a brilliant game from Sunsoft. Good old Sunsoft. Uh, 16 plays. Ian, your Zelda 2. Love it. Not going to argue with it. I would have it higher, but I realize that it's a weird game for a lot of people. I think it's a weird game for a lot of people. It's, it's, it's weird for people that have their definition of Zelda games. That this, they don't like how this one doesn't sure. fit into it. I, you know, but no, that's there's always a top NES game, Zelda 2. Number 15, Tetris. And this is the Nintendo published version, yes. according to it. Most people voted for the uh, Nintendo one versus the Tengen one. Um, classic puzzle game. It's it's by for, for most people it's the definitive version for them. It's the competitive uh, version. It's competitive. It's been. I understand it. It has the music people love. It has the color scheme people like. No two players to me kills this one to me. The fact that it doesn't have two players on the NES, I, I um, that to me kills it. But I understand it's for a lot of people. It's their all time favorite version of the game. Uh, yes. and, it, and it's one of the best, if, if not the most popular puzzle game ever. So I get that. Uh, number 14, my favorite of the trilogy, Super Mario Brothers 2, uh, is up there. Um, great place for it. Uh, for most people, it's not the their, their, their best one, but it gets the respect it deserves. Yep. It's a brilliant game. It's lovely. Um, I love playing through that game. Ninja Guide number 13, that's always a strong one on these lists. It's classic. Yeah, yeah, it's again a lot of these games. These are this is like looking at this list is like looking at the starter pack of games that people uh, yeah. buy when they when they get a Nintendo for the first time this after is, yeah. having one or not having one for years. This is seriously like looking at Nintendo Power do their top thirty NES games every month, and like most of these would be in one form or another. Yep. No Festro's Quest though, because that would always make the list sometime. Nintendo Power they loved it back then. Yep. Uh, Tied for tenth, Castlevania uh, uh, three yeah, skipped one and Ducktales you skipped. 12. Oh, sorry, twelve Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy. Yes. Great RPG. Um, 10, Castlevania 3, Dracula's Curse, and DuckTales. DuckTales absolutely deserves to be in the top 10. Uh, great music, great adaptation of a property that made sense. Uh, Konami firing on all four cylinders, an interesting attack mechanic. Um, did I say fantastic music? One of the best soundtracks on the Nintendo. Uh, and kind of like an early, uh, what I loved about DuckTales when I played it f for the first time as a kid was the levels were full of secrets. Uh, so many of the levels have multiple ways you can get through them. And as a kid, it was great to have that ability to kind of explore. It's a very exploratory game. Um, you know, it's very different from you know, linear, straightforward yeah, platformers. And the Pogo is original mechanic. Yeah, though. exactly. It's fun. And Castlevania 3 Dracula's Curse is fantastic. Uh, multiple playable characters. It's also incredibly difficult. One of the most complex NES games, too. Uh, there, in terms of the effects, the the, the uh, MMC... Oh, if you play the Famicom version, three? it's crazy. It's MMC 3, yeah. Uh, Dracula's or... not 5. Oh, okay. Is it 5? I think it's 5. Yeah, which not many games were. And so you got some extra effects. That's why you got like the, the background stuff, extra things. Yeah. Uh, this one surprised me that it nudged it ahead. Castlevania got 9 uh, ahead of 3. You don't hear that a lot. I thought Castlevania would definitely make the top 25. I'm surprised it got this high uh, on it. Uh, obviously, it's outstanding. 
it laid the groundwork for obviously three. Two will never make these lists, by the way. It's always one in three. Sure. And I'm surprised to see that. Were you surprised to see that a little bit higher? Uh, yeah, I was, but I think it's just because more people probably know it. Again, sure. if we're talking to people who don't have a depth, uh, an understanding of the depth of the library, it's probably just going to be. I bet you a lot of people maybe voted for Castlevania and they were thinking part two or part three. It's just whatever they, you know, they, they knew. Kirby's Adventure, number uh, eight. So, so good. Another one of the late complex games on the nes that was mc3 i believe um just absolutely gorgeous I, I mean there is no other game that i can think of on the nes that looks as almost as good as that a uh, gimmick i think gimmick and kirby share yeah. a lot in terms of their design and they're they're similar you're, uh, in you're terms like of their, their their style the closest games that sort of bridge the gap to this almost look 16 bit you're getting like close yes yes maybe in the detail if not in the well, color and detail sort of go hand in hand but like you don't get the shading and whatnot, but the the, the, design, the breadth of color and the design, yeah. it really does look like a game in between they the get Nintendo the, and the Super They get Nintendo. the most out of it with the, the combined design with the characters and the size of the characters in those two games. Let me put it this way. Yeah. When, I got, when I got Kirby's Adventure, I was not upset that I did not have a Super Nintendo. I'm like, oh, I'm still playing fucking great games on the Nintendo. Yeah, th- those those last couple years of games, they got the most out of the, all those Taito games we always talk about that they didn't do print runs of. Like, yeah. they, they got the most out of it. The, the, that's the, the thing about the chipsets, the different chips in the cart, you can do things that you couldn't do several years before. That's and what, I, I love the uh, weird ending of Kirby's Adventure. Kirby's Adventure is a magnificent fucking game. Did I give that five or did I give it four and a half? You better have given it five after, after the BJ you just gave it. Yeah. <laughs> you better. Uh, Metroid number seven. Uh, yeah, love Metroid. I Surprised mean, it's that high, but I think because of the reputation. I think it's more uh, reputation and yeah. what came after than the specific game itself. But the original Nintendo Metroid it's is still, still a lot of fun. It's um, amazing for the time. Play it with a guide if you don't want to get completely, you know, flustered and lost. But it's a great game. Number six, Super Mario Brothers. That's exactly where it should be. Even mm-hmm. a little bit higher. I would not mind that. I think people... They don't take for granted the original Super Mario Bros., but I think the fact that people always say, well, two or three, or especially three, it's like, one is amazing. The controls... Oh, it's so fun. The controls in one are incredible. It's so much fun. For right out of the gate, the controls are absolutely perfect. They're perfect. They, they, they kind of try to improve a little bit on Super Mario 35 in order to uh, build in more things. You know, we're jumping on multiple objects at the same time and things like that. But it's a, it's a perfect game. Uh, to me, it is. Yeah. Um, and then next, Mega Man 2. People say it's the best one. It's my favorite. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> it's my favorite. I think it's. I think Mega Man 2 was this weird game because it's a little bit easier than the first one, and then 3 starts to get difficult again. It's not an easy game, but even if you play... It was one of the only ones I can think of that has two modes. There's an easy mode and a hard mode. And even the hard mode's not so bad on Mega Man 2. If, if, if you, 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 can, you can play it and learn it, I think it's a wonderful game. I think it's probably the best Mega Man soundtrack. Um, so, yeah, Mega Man 2 is great. Before they added the charge shot in the slide. Did that ruin the design a little bit? Uh, I, I, don't, I, I think the slide ruined the design. I don't think either of them shot. ruin it, but I don't uh, miss them when I play games that don't have it. Because I well, think it was, was it 9? No, I think it was 10. I think it was Mega Man 10 that eliminated the slide and the charge shot. And, it felt and I, I didn't miss it. I didn't miss it. I think it break the design when then you're relying on the sliding all around real quick to get away from everything. It's like, well, it's a little bit too much, you know, to me. Um, I'm not a Mega Man expert out there. Number four, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Yeah, great game. Um, 
surprise amazing it, game. Surprise it gets that high on these lists, but again, that's one of the most famous NES games. Again, that's like Sightbike. It's like, just tell me 10 NES games, you're going to say Sightbike, you're going to say Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. It's going to be in there. Uh, what's, what's so amazing about Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, besides the fact that it's like the first big like like uh, license they got on the system in 87. It's like, one of, it's like the first big one they got. Um, and the fact that it was Mike Tyson, who was a phenom in 87, Mike was Mike was like 20 years old or 21 when this game came out. He was super young. Oh, God, and really? He was that young? He won the title when he was like 19. 19 yeah. 1920. Uh, back in, was it, 85. Um, so, like, Mike Tyson, if you weren't around, like, he was a phenomenon. He was like the most famous people on the planet for like a good four, four or five years when he, before he lost the title in what, early 91, whatever it was. Um but when you played Mike Tyson's Punch Out the first time, and I got it, I think I got it in uh, 88, spring of 88, because it came out in, what, 87, later 87. Seeing those characters be that big. Yes. You still have the color restraints, but, like, the big characters in the detail, and you're fighting against them. There was nothing, nothing like it on the console, and I'm very hard-pressed to find a game afterwards that was like that, with characters that big. I mean, you had some boxing games, but, like, Full guys yeah. that you're dodging against. And yeah, it's more of a dodging and reaction game and pattern than a Some full memorization game. game. But yeah, that deserves to be top 10. It's a, it's a brilliant game. Uh, Contra number three. Kind of surprised it got that high. Not complaining because Contra is one of my all-time favorite NES games, if not all-time favorite games. Um, we surprised it see that high. I'm just, I'm just, it's a brilliant game. I'm just surprised. It's no, I'm high. not. I'm not surprised. I mean, very few of these surprised me other than... Honestly, Duck Hunt kind of surprised me. Well, Castlevania just surprised me. It got that high. Sure, that's all um, on that. So number uh, tied for tied for one. Here's the controversy. People can tie for number one. Super Mario Brothers three and the Legend of Zelda. Ian's favorite game. Uh, uh, for me, I, I uh, look as much as I complain about the original Legend of Zelda. I understand why it would get so high. I think Super Mario Brothers three would be the one that takes number one for me. Um, I fucking love Super Mario three. Traditionally, people say best NES game to people that say, oh, we'll just say Super Mario Bros. 3. I don't think, when you look at The Legend of Zelda, again, I'm going to go back to, I had the, I had Nintendo Powers for years. Legend of Zelda was always in their top, like, five of, like, they do, like, the, the counselor's favorite games, the player's picks, and then they did, like, the weird, like, uh, store's pick or dealer's pick. Mm-hmm. Legend of Zelda sold extremely well for several years. Yeah. It was always, they reissued it. It was one of the three or four games they reissued it with. They did the Punch-Out, a classic version with Mr. Dream. They did Zelda 2. They did Legend of Zelda. And Metroid they did. They did the re- release of Metroid. People are going to say, oh, they did They did a Blades of Steel re-release. I know, for some reason, Konami rebranded it. Legend of Zelda, if I had to put, put, put a gun to my head, I would say Legend of Zelda. Obviously, you can't complain about Super Mario 3. It's a masterpiece uh, of platformers. People could say that might be the pinnacle platform of all time to some people. I say Super Mario uh, World. You can make a case for three. I literally have gone back and forth between the two multiple times over my life. It's, well, it's World, honestly just which one I think I played most recently. I mean, World obviously has the benefit of being a 16-bit system and sure. on Yoshi. I mean, World, to me, you can't get better than a platformer than World. I just enjoy it a lot more in Super Mario Bros. 3. Sure. That's all. I, I think I think the, um, especially getting towards the end, I, I, I think the... Uh, the end game of Super Mario World is better than the end game of Mario 3. Yes. Uh, World where, 8 in Mario 3 is a fucking nightmare. It's dreadful. Yeah. And 
it's too samey. Oh, here's another fortress. Here's the fun. It's too samey with, okay, we'll just go slowly and scroll until Canis. I like that stuff. It's actually not that stuff that I don't like. Okay. It's the, uh, it's the like two actual levels that they have that are weird. And I hate, okay. I hate the mid boss castle in uh, world eight. In I, don't, I don't remember that being that just bad. It's a fucking maze. Oh yeah. The maze and stuff, but, but still great list. Is there anything that, that you thought should have made this that, did not obviously we're t- talking about mostly publications and websites that again they don't know that they don't have the knowledge of me and Ian like they're gonna say like I'll say oh where the hell is you know Tecmo Super Bowl there's like not sports games there's no sports games on here if you don't count Mike Tyson's punch out you know or Sci Bike for racing there's no sports game which I thought c- kind of weird um you know? no I mean my top twenty five would look different but I don't see anything up here that immediately needs like. I like Gunnack a lot. I'd throw a shooter on there because that's a really good shooter. Okay. I'd probably throw in there. Um, I would have put Tecmo Super Bowl on here. Yeah, you'd probably get Tecmo Super Bowl or from baseball me. stars, but people don't know about baseball stars. The Tecmo Super Bowl people know about. They still hack it every year today and play it. So, I mean, with updated rosters. I think Kung Fu is really good, too. I think I think it, I like, give it four and a half stars. That's I mean, the, honestly, that's if, if one, you want to talk about it, I uh, would I would say get rid of Duck Hunt. And put Kung Fu on here. You need you would need people with a better knowledge of the library. But if we're gonna put some black box games on here, Kung Fu is. I, I would pick Kung Fu and Excite Bike as the two best. I mean, they're just snappy and they're fun and almost, not counting Super Mario Bros. as a black box. Sure, yeah. yeah, I think they're just they're great games. Kung Fu. You go back and play the NES Kung Fu, and even though it's a short game, that's a stellar experience. No, it's great arcade experience. It's great. It's better than. And then the go arcade. ahead and loop it and see if you can loop it. It's, yeah, loop it a, a few, a few it's times. A, it's a great game. It's stellar. Because I was still in the arcade, and that's Irem. Uh, I mean, I, that's that's one of yes. Irem's early games. I mean, Irem did. I love a lot of the shit that Irem did, but uh, yeah, Kung Fu is one of their best. Yes, yeah, great. Well, thank you for the list, there, Seth. I appreciate we, we do this every now and then. We pull them out here. This portion of the CU podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Fellows, have you started spring cleaning yet? Spring has sprung and the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming have the best tools for cleaning up what's in your pants. Join the other 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code CUPODCAST. Manscaped has the full package you need for spring cleaning this year. The Performance Package 4.0 is the only tool you need to keep your boys looking and smelling like the fresh tulips your partner wants. To start off your spring cleaning, use the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer to get the most precise shave on your hedges. Did we mention it's waterproof as well? No need to worry about watering your grass with this tool. Equipped with an LED light so you know it'll be a major asset to the new shower routine. Clear your holes and smell the spring air with the Weed Whacker. The nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. And after clearing your nose, make sure to get rid of any foul smells with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. Keep your boys from sticking to your leg and leave them smelling like fresh flowers. Finish off your grooming routine with the Plow 2.0, the perfect razor for the finest shave on your face. Because if you're using your lawnmower 4.0 on your balls and your face, you're doing it wrong. The start of spring also marks the start of Testicular Cancer Awareness Month in April. Manscaped has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection. Manscaped is committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men aged 15 to 35 and giving support for fighters, survivors, and families impacted by testicular cancer as part of their We Save Balls initiative. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CUPODCAST at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code CUPODCAST at manscaped.com. It's time to throw out your old hygiene habits and upgrade your life with Manscaped. We got voicemails in, don't we? We do. 
You go to anchor.fm slash the CU podcast. You go, you leave a voicemail. Hopefully, Pat and Ian like it and play it. Right? That's how it works. That's how it works. Oh, my butt. Hey, guys. This is Taylor. Big fan of the show. Pat, I just have to ask, okay. when all this Amico stuff is all said and done, are you going to come out with a new version of the CU podcast theme song? Coleco and Amico are feeling the heat. A little bit too many syllables there for that. <laughs> yeah. But it would be. How, how are CFOs doing? I haven't spoken to them in a while. I don't know. I haven't spoken to them either. I you should gotta, text them. You gotta catch up with them. Text Mike. Hey, Pat and Ian. This is Jeff from Manchester in the UK. Uh, I've been listening for years. I love the podcast. I was just wondering, there's possibly more a question for Ian. What would the CU podcast beat him up play like? <laughs> With the bad guys being it and things like that. I hope you get to uh, hear this. Uh, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do a beat em up. Let's get an NES and we'll do a CU podcast. Game. Me and Ian, let's do it. Yeah, I mean, uh, you would just be, be able to put through. I mean, I, I, it would be uh, scumbag sellers. Uh, there would be Amico references, clearly. Uh, Coleco. The bosses would be people we have problems with. <laughs> right. <laughs> or parodies. I, I, honestly, let's fuck it. Let's do it. Someone out there do it. Which we'll we, do have, it. we have plenty of. Um, yeah, that could be fun. The weapons could be like zappers and stuff like that. Why don't we think about that before? I don't know. That writes itself. We could write the story easily. I'm not really a fighter. <laughs> but yeah, I've never thought about myself in a beat em up. Come on, you took you took karate, you said, didn't you? Uh yeah, I did. You can you can throw a you can throw a, a, a mule kick, right? Yeah. <laughs> mule kick. Mule kick. I was thinking of horse stance. Horse stance. Horse yeah. stance. That's that weird stance. Mule like, kick is the Well you go back. Yeah. yeah so she used to kick out it's your windshield. A, it's a double dragon kick. Double yeah. dragon two kick is what that is. Yes. Next. Uh, hey guys, it's uh, Sean from Dublin, Ireland here. Um what are you kick? Have you ever felt like um any of these crazy CEOs or unhinged employees from these um you know, smaller video game companies have tried asking around about you guys or, you know, trying to, you know, blacken your name or anything. They have. They, they definitely have. You know, these guys haven't been quite professional in their own jobs and they have it out for you guys for exposing them. So, um, yeah. Have you ever felt like that? Yeah, yeah this happens. Uh, They've t- colluded with each other to make these videos. Yeah. We've seen it. Yeah. I mean, Tommy has, has, has definitely gone around talking shit about us, trying um, to get us uninvited from conventions oh, and, yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, he really thought uh, last year that he was going to make a couple calls and ruin our fucking lives. Uh, here's the problem. When you go to conventions for like 10 years, as I've gone to, going to like 8 or 10 a year, um, you get a good reputation. You get invited back. People know. Yeah, people with good reputations get invited yeah. back, like us. People who are known to be pains in the ass, like you, get shut no. off. Especially if they know what a snake you are. And it's like the fact of the matter is, with me and Ian being so adamantly against the the bad behavior of Intellivision, Tommy Tallarico, we speak for this people people that aren't speaking about it. A lot of people don't want to put up with the headache that. Ian and I put up with, or it's not their business to talk about it. Either way. But they agree with us. Right. We're just the mouthpiece for it. So, and so trying to damage a reputation over something like this is ridiculous because people know who we are. Uh, Zadok Pitt, my favorite person, uh, tried to smear both of us. Yes. Uh, I mean, he's tried to smear us both re- uh, multiple times, talked shit about us during the Coleco Chameleon, mm-hmm. uh, then tried to apologize for it, mm-hmm. then got mad because I got, I talked shit about him again when he backed up the Amico, saying that I lied to him when uh, he apologized oh, to God. me. Uh, and now he, these people, 
will go around and, and like these are people who are big in the, like in the retro game scene on Reddit. They go and they try to turn people sure. against us very sure. quickly, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work, and that's why you end up sure. leaving Reddit for 169 days because you're a fucking pussy. I didn't see it go in that direction there, but no, there, I have no fear of reprisal. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the, at the worst, people might look at it and say, oh, those guys, they like stirring it a little bit, but we're usually on the side of right when it comes to this stuff. We're not, we're not bad actors in the community. We're on the side of the good people. We're the allies. That's the way I look at it. I don't, people don't give me the cold shoulder at, at conventions. I don't know about you, Ian. No one goes, oh, I don't want to talk to Pat. He's, he's bad news. Uh, hey, guys. It's Sean here again. Um, hey, Sean. Quick one. Do you think um, if I wanted to start playing old Game Boy, Game Boy Advance games again, am I better off trying to get in an analog pocket um, rather than wait for any sort of virtual console to come to Switch? Because uh, I've been waiting and uh, it's not fun. Thanks. I love the analog pocket. If you want an analog pocket, get an analog pocket. Um, you don't need an analog pocket to get into that. Obviously, you could emulate and do stuff like that. Emulate. Uh, I don't know that waiting for a virtual console or even a Nintendo Switch online, um, you know, uh, uh, representation of Game Boy and Game Boy Advance is worth waiting for. Even though we think it's coming, who knows how long Nintendo oh. will take with it, and who knows what Nintendo's going to give us on the system? You'll get first party games and the cheap third party games they can acquire. Right. That's so I, I mean, yeah, go go explore. You know, a lot of Game Boy stuff is still pretty reasonably cheap, and you can get a lot of good Game Boy Advance <laughs> stuff for okay. There are some games that have gotten out of control, but how about little cricks in the Ukraine? You can get a flash. Get a Neverdrive. Do that. You can do that. Uh, next one. Hi, Pat. Hi, Ian. My name is Nick. I'm calling from Southern Alberta in Canada. It's international. Pat, day. in the past episodes, you've mentioned both the NHL games and the NHL as a league. I'm just wondering if you still follow the league at all and what your favorite NHL game would be and what system it would be on. Personally, I've lost a lot of interest since they've shifted to a more sim-focused model, but I guess NHL 2005 on the GameCube would still be my favorite. Uh, NHL 94 on the Sega Genesis is the only hockey game I ever, ever need. I love it. Uh, that's what I can't follow hockey anymore. I just did 94 have fighting. They took it out. 94 was last year with blood and has one timers. <clears throat> 95. They took out fighting. Yes. Damn it. Because 95 is great. And then I think um, in 96, they added it back. 95 plays great, but it, they took away a bunch of stuff that people uh, like. 94 was still pretty fast. 95. They had one timers, I believe. Mm, okay, maybe. I had this. Remember, I had the PC CD-ROM version of '95, and that was unique because it had not just full seasons. Ian, it had create create a character, and right? Do traits because the so that was I played like a full season. And I was like, this is great. I can create myself as a defenseman uh, or whatever. So that was fun. Uh, I don't follow the NHL much. I, I I think it's been in a minor resurgence. ESPN getting it back was a huge deal because mm-hmm. they basically did not talk about hockey for the past ten years because the deal was with like NBC Sports. So they stopped basically talking and following hockey. There wasn't even a hockey show. Now there's a daily hockey show. Or like a few years ago, he told me that I'd be like a daily hockey show. So it's good to get back out there, and I'm glad that my Rangers are doing well. But I don't follow hockey as much as I should. There, but it's it, but it is the one sport I watch that I like. I like what's going on because I used to play, you know, floor hockey, so I know the strategy and look at it. I, that's why I like watching it. Uh, I would like four or five more here. Hey Pat, hey Ian, if you guys didn't have a huge collection like you guys have right now, and you guys were looking at the American prices as opposed to Japanese prices. Would you guys go with the Japanese prints instead of the American prints? Yes. Yeah, for 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 older stuff, absolutely. Sure. Because language matters very little for most 
you know, retro games, a lot of platformers and action games you can get by without knowing what's going on. You can, uh, you know, or there's very little menus, or a lot of times even the menus are translated into simple English. Um, you know, and then you just buy the Japanese versions, and then for the RPGs that you would want to play or something like that, sure, you would go ahead and buy the U.S. version. But um, that's kind of how I, I, I did my whole TurboGrafx PC Engine collection was I, I bought the Ease games and stuff like that. I bought the English versions, mm-hmm. but everything else I buy the Japanese version of, even if there is a U.S. release, because it's way cheaper. Sure. Hey, Pat and Ian, this is Tyler from Florida again. I was just wondering if, since Ian likes D&D so much, if y'all ever do a D&D podcast, like a retro gamers D&D thing with James Rolfe and you guys and whoever else. I can see <laughs> Ian being a barbarian. I can see James being a artificer or something. What the hell's an artificer? Uh, they work with artifacts. Okay. Um, and you guys go up against laughing, joking numbnuts now under new management Tomas Tallarina. How does that sound? What Take am care, I? Guys, you guys are awesome. What character would I be? I don't know. I don't know what character you would be. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I, would never go out of my way to set it up. But if someone asked me to sit in on a D&D session uh, for like a one shot or something like that and record it, I probably would. It might be fun. There's strategy involved, right? I like it. I like D&D. Lots I think. of strategy. And you, you tell stories. Just, I, yeah, I do, do well at that. Hey, Pat. When are we going to get some They Butchered My Cornhole shirts printed up? Thanks. <laughs> get that for PRG? Yeah. They Butchered My Cornhole? Hi, this is CJ from Indiana. Nice I love the podcast, guys. My daughter is three years old and has taken an interest in Super Monkey Ball. What would you recommend as some other early start video games? That's all. Early start video games. I mean, I could see Super Monkey Ball being a lot of fun just because it's like instant reaction. You know, okay. you, you move the level around, the ball moves around. So even if you're not winning, um, it would be uh, a good time. Uh, Kirby games are also good early start video games. They're not excessively difficult. Um, they're bright and they're colorful and they're fun. And I think it's, you know, fun enough for a kid to probably play around with. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I would suggest. Oh, for kids, obviously, the I mean, it, three, three years old, if we're not just talking retro games, any of the Lego games. Oh, sure. Any, any of the old Lego games. I, I cannot tell you how successful those are with parents, with young kids. I used to sell them by the grip every single day at Luna. Um, they are cheap. They are fun. They are almost always uh, two-player cooperative, and uh, you can play the game and progress while your daughter is, you know, swinging a lightsaber around just and screwing around, having a, a wonderful time. Yeah. yeah. So I think yeah, those nice. games are really, really good for that too. Sure. They're not super hard. How about Lego Racers too. That's I don't one. know that one very well. Play, that was like the first one I played for a Lego game. Mm-mm. That was like one of the first. I ones. know it was popular on the sixty four, but I never played it. I played it on. Oh God, was it the PC? I might have a PC version. Of that. I might have. I might have had it for wow, uh, IRC. Do a couple more. Hey, Pat and Ian, this is uh, Vince again from Northern California. If you guys could pick any video game to make into a full length uh, motion picture, Final Fight. What would that game be? Cheers, guys. If you can honestly pick one video game to make into a movie. 
uh, Killer Seven would be really neat to see if they could turn that into an interesting movie. Um, it's one of my favorite games, and it's one of my favorite games almost entirely because of the story and the interesting narrative experience that the game uh, provides. As a game, it's pretty simple and straightforward. It's fun, but it's not exactly anything you'd, you'd write home about. But the story itself, I think, could make an interesting movie. Okay. Um, hmm. What's a good one that would make a, a good movie? Um I honestly think Ian's going to say you're crazy. I honestly thought, due to the structure, you could have made a Legend of Zelda movie, like Lord of the Rings. You could yeah. have, you could, you could have done it. I think you could have done it, like a three-hour movie. I disagree there. I just don't think Zelda would ever translate well to a movie. Really? Yeah. Okay. You don't want the guy talking. Yeah. Little elf. <laughs> uh, you want to do one more? Or you want to check in with with? Let's a check in. Ian's done. Ian's had it. Have you two jerk-offs ever heard of inflation before? Apparently not. The way you're complaining about the Amico and WADA, it's simple economics, guys. Prices go up, wages sometimes go up. Well, not for the people who work for us. They actually take pay cuts, like Tom Brady, because that's what it takes to succeed, okay, Bills fan? I heard Ian last week saying, playing the Amico alone sounds really depressing. Listen, when you play the Amico, you are never alone. Because God is always there, okay? <laughs> I've tried to talk to you about God before, but you know what? At this point, you can just burn in hell for all I care. Use the flames to light your joints. And hey, maybe you'll even get to come back with superpowers like Spawn. That would be a great comic. Didn't somebody already start a comic about you? I'm going to pick up right where they left off. I'm going to sit down and draw Hell Spawn Ian with all the stuff I got from Crayola. Let's start with cape. Let's give you a nice cape made out of hemp. Ooh, yeah. Styling. <laughs> Nobody disturb me for a while. No, no, no. <laughs> Tom's having a great old time. He's, I guess, He's drawing you. Time, yeah. drawing, uh, hell spawn uh, Ian. Well, that's that's interesting. Between right. something out, Ian, what are you doing? Okay. No, no. Okay. Well, well, that's it for this podcast. This is fun. Yeah, it's a good time. It's enjoyable, enjoyable. And at twelve thirty, that's a good time to end for it's me. Not a bad time for twelve, but that's okay. What we got there. We had a court, few few. Sponsors, keep the lights on at Castle Country. All right, well, we'll see you. We'll see you. We'll see you tomorrow on Twitch. Ian won't be there, but I'll see you tomorrow on Twitch on Wednesdays. Bye. Ian is going to go work on something. All right, we'll see you later.